Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. I, as you might know by now, even if just from the jingles, I am Dr. Marianne Trent and I am here to make this whole process a little bit more like it feels like it's on your side and hopefully like um, you have some control and some compassion, someone that gets it, someone that gets why this is important to you. And I would hope that I am not the only person in your life who does see you, who does see why this is important to you and supports you with it. But I know that we sometimes can be very different than the families where we were raised. We can be different than those we are around. And that can make us feel a bit more lonely, actually, a little bit less supported than would be ideal. Or maybe those who are around you just, you know, they try their best, but they don't really get it. Um, I was speaking to my personal trainer yesterday and she was um, a midwife originally. And we were talking um, a bit of a personal professional reflection as I was strength training. But we were talking about what it's like working um, in a service where you're caring for others. And when you are surrounded by people who don't work in that same kind of zone, that same realm, and how hard it can be for people who might be working in very different environments, who might have very different job roles, um, to really grasp what it is that we are doing. So this um, episode of the podcast is kind of, yeah, it's for the people around you, But it's also for you to use this, hopefully, as a bit of a reflective space to think about what it is that you need optimally. And whether, you know, when we're on model for thinking about complex trauma, which is my specialty, um, whether we're thinking now that we're grown, whether we can perhaps do some of the things that would help us to feel optimally supported but do them for ourselves um, rather than 
waiting for someone to come and rescue us, which may or may not happen. So you might be listening to this because you do love and care for someone who is an aspiring psychologist and they thought it might be helpful for you to listen to. Um, I know that um, someone recently contacted me and to say that her partner already listens to this, not because he has any interest in psychology, but because he likes my voice. <laughs> and she did do a bit of a funny emoji then. So <laughs> um, thank you to you, whoever you are that is listening. And if you are the partner concerned, she might well be jabbing you in the ribs now and saying, yeah, that's you, that's you. Um, So let's um, also, you know, compared to the previous episode that I filmed, um, which was um, how to be a psychologist when you're not in the mood, um, please note that my audio is hopefully sounding a whole heap better because today, dear listeners, I can be bothered. Um, And actually, I've had more comments about the I can't be bothered. Um, I'm not in the mood. Um, And that combined with um, the comments um, regarding the brilliant episode that I did with Lucy Johnston, um, than any um, of the other episodes that I have um, released so far. Um, It really resonated with people. Um, Well, obviously, Lucy Johnson's did. She's incredible. That's a really strong episode to listen to on um, formulation and the power threat meaning framework. If you haven't caught that already, then please do. That is episode number 21. Um, But episode number 22 was, yeah, how to be a psychologist when you're not in the mood. And that really has resonated with people. It's really helped them feel seen you know and heard which is a very nice position to be in that people do go out of their way to say god I loved that that was really good um and someone else has been in contact with me about the psychiatry episode they really found that useful and you know really opened their eyes to thinking about um whether you know how important um, the history of mental health is. So yeah, if you particularly enjoyed one of the episodes or maybe all of the episodes and you're like touting to be my biggest fan, um, maybe you're like my children and you think I should also have merch. Um, I don't see it coming anytime soon, but you know, if you would indeed buy merch, let me know. <laughs> let me know. My children will be delighted. I feel like because I've mentioned my children, I do now need to say what they say to me all the time, which is, Mummy, do ask them to subscribe to you on LinkedIn. Do ask them to like, do ask them to comment. So if you're on, um, did I just say LinkedIn? I'm like LinkedIn obsessed. Come and engage with me on LinkedIn by all means. But I was talking about YouTube. So, um, yeah, come along on YouTube. At the moment, you won't be able to actually see my lovely face um, because I'm wearing headphones. Um, I'm wearing a green top that actually I have spilled a bit of toothpaste on. I won't lie. Um, And so I am not camera ready. um, But you can still stream this content via YouTube. Um, So, yeah, if you're over on YouTube or if you're like multitasking, 
doing it as we are pretty good at doing um, in psychology, um, then just, you know, flick across to Good Thinking Psychological Services on YouTube and just flick across to Good Thinking Psychological Services on YouTube and come and like everything. Comment, engage, do all those wonderful things. You could even click the notification bell, couldn't you, whilst you're there? Go on. Uh, my children are going to throw me a party when I get to 200 subscribers. So come on, help make that happen. You can do it. You've got the power. Uh, anyway, I digress, as I tend to do at times, because it's hard talking to yourself. <laughs> When you're just looking at a podcast mic, um, I find that I go to various wonderful places. Anyway, so so you are perhaps listening to this episode because you're either an aspiring psychologist yourself or because you love and care about someone who is. Um, and, you know, sometimes people tell me that people go, oh, well, you know, why, why, why would you do this if you don't have to, you know, given that it's so competitive to get places or, you know, if you're going into counselling psychology, given that you have to self-fund and there's many, many, many hoops to jump through for things like forensic, why would you bother, you know? Why don't you just go and get yourself, you know, a better paid job? You know, you know that people that you were at university with, um, you know, they're now earning X amount, you know, they're not having to study every weekend, you know, looks like they're having a great time on Facebook um, or Instagram because you're probably younger and cooler than me. Um, but yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, I don't really, I don't feel that seen or I don't feel that heard because um, let me tell you how it was for me. It felt and it feels like this profession is part of me. Um, you know, it was always going to come to fruition. That's how it felt to me. Once I decided what I wanted to do, I felt just that, you know, so my husband was really surprised when we met. He was like, why haven't you got more hobbies? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, <laughs> well... You know, I do a bit of Pilates and I sing in the shower. Um, you know, I like hanging out with my friends. He's like, yeah, but you don't, you don't do anything. I was like, well, don't know. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. Um, and I, you know, on reflection, think it's because I so enjoy my job that I haven't been looking for like distractions or reasons to get up each day you know and counting down the hours when I'm at work um, because generally as I said in the I can't be bothered podcast episode generally I love what I do and it feels like a real honor that I get to do it and for someone who doesn't feel that way about their work you know, perhaps they're living for the weekends rather than living um, to work. And I wouldn't say I'm living to work, but it feels like I get to bring myself to work. Um, I do probably laugh a bit less when I'm at work, although my clients are very funny sometimes as well. So that's not always true. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's not a hardship doing my job. Um, and it feels, well, it is sometimes. 
<laughs> it is sometimes, you know, when we're working with incredibly complex clients that just, you know, it makes you feel sad for what they have been through. That's one of the hardest parts of my job is to to just think how mean and awful people can be um, to one another and also to themselves too. Um, And that's part of, you know, my thinking around compassion-focused therapy as well is we have to be able to embrace how awful humans can be to ourselves and to others as well. Um, But yeah, how, if you are listening to this, can you support an aspiring psychologist without invalidating them even accidentally you know by suggesting they can do something else um so sometimes that might be useful so i know when i was um an aspiring psychologist myself i was applying to jobs all over the country you know at one point i had an interview offered to me in the lake district and one in nottingham um, and i was living um, close to milton Keynes and working there currently and i was also um, doing uh, a distance learning masters which was based in birmingham Um, and that's a lot you know i was also recovering from a car crash and i'd broken up with my partner that's a lot to be going through um and then to suddenly be having to dart around to different um different interviews i also had one at Bur- an interview in birmingham at the same time i seem to recall as well and i just felt like one day i just thought oh i can't i can't do all of this you know it feels it feels too much, you know. Um, I'd hit a bit of a wall and I just thought, oh, what am I doing? Um, and I almost needed permission from my mum to say, why don't you, you know, cancel the Lake District interview? Because maybe upon reflection, you didn't quite realise how far the Lake District was from our house. <laughs> and, you know, that's just because you're not that good at geography. It's not one of your special skills, Marianne. Um, and, you know, just think about the jobs that will lead to less upheaval. And so, you know, when you're supporting your loved one and they're thinking about applying to jobs, you could help think with them about the real-world impact of upping sticks and moving your entire life. You know, not to say don't do it, but just to, at the point where they're even applying for jobs, think about whether they, you know, what factors would be involved. Um... And when they have still chosen to apply and maybe it hasn't worked out or they have had that moment like I had where I was just collapsed crying on the stairs, you know, just so out of resources, what they might most need at that point is a hug, not an I told you so. Um, Because, you know, I know when I was speaking to my personal trainer, we were talking about actually it's being really useful to have someone who can just listen um not someone who tries to fix the problem not someone who you know goes into problem solving mode and i know that in our industry in psychology we can't really share details about our work um but we can bring up with you details about the themes that it evokes in us and for me yeah like i said it's you know as i as i reflect upon this now i'm thinking about key images that you do sometimes get a bit stuck with and i guess that's almost like a bit of vicarious trauma 
um, and it's thinking about, um, you know, whether we might need some help processing some of those memories that get a bit stuck. So I'm not going to share mine with you. I don't want to vicariously traumatize you, but it's certainly useful to talk about this stuff um, with your supervisor or with someone that you love if it isn't breaking confidentiality. Because what we know about um, trauma and what we know about things that do get stuck in our minds um, is that it makes us think like we shouldn't talk about them or think about them or we can't cope with thinking about them. But what we also know about treating trauma is that when we begin to be able to accept what's happened, to think about what's happened and to control what's happened, and if you do like um, the idea of acceptance and control, you could also try listening um, to um, the podcast episode episode with the lovely psychologist who wrote um, Act Made Yorkshire, um, which you can also download um, from all of your favourite podcast empires, I shall say. Um, So yeah, um, Act can be really um, transformational for clients, but also for us as aspiring psychologists as well. But what we know is when we're able to manipulate and explore and think about those things, that the little tenter hooks that trauma has got into us are kind of freed up. And if you can imagine, I grew up with cats, but, you know, they'd, they'd get those little burrs in their fur and you have to try and ease them out and then they're not bothering the cat anymore. Um, so, yeah, trauma can be a little bit like that. It needs a little bit of help getting out of the fur that it's got stuck into. Okay, let's pause here and you're getting a little exclusive um, of the first play of my own little jingle. Um, You may have heard it already if you're already connected to me on LinkedIn. If you are on LinkedIn um, or if you're registered on LinkedIn, you can click on my face um, and this video will play to you. And I'm even like a little bit dancey in it as well. So who doesn't want to see that, right? Um, But yeah, if you would like to watch some audio to go with this visual, you know what to do. Go to LinkedIn and click my face. You've got permission. Go on. Okay, so welcome back. Um, If you are supporting someone that you love, that you care about very much um, as an aspiring psychologist, then sometimes um, we might need a little bit of help um, with just, you know, feeling like someone does care for us. Um, I've often thought how weird it would be to date another carer, you know, to date a nurse or um, a doctor or, you know, an occupational therapist or um, another psychologist. Gosh, that would be weird for me. Um, Someone that's also, you know, used to being in the care profession. Um, You know, how would you ever get through a door if you're both, (laughs) if you're both really, you know, selfless caring people you know is it not like constantly oh no after you 
Oh, no, no, after you, I insist. Um, you know, <laughs> how does that get done? So if you are in a relationship with someone else who also is in the caring profession, do let me know what that's like for you, because I've only ever really dated people in management and sales. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that's about, you know, could probably formulate that, but that's just the kind of people that I've ended up with. Um, and my husband definitely fits that camp as well. So, um, yeah, some, but sometimes, you know, what we need is someone to know that we're at, uh, you know, the end of a tricky week or even a tricky day. And when we get in, you know, there's a bath run for us and, you know, there's a spaghetti bolognese underway. And then, you know, whilst we don't advocate drinking, um, if there happened to be a glass of wine on the table with dinner, that might be ultra lovely, you know. And I think if you are studying whilst you're working or if you're striving generally, it can be really useful if you've got a partner or even if you have just got, um, you know, someone else that you care about that's in your life to help make sure they know about any upcoming deadlines and submission dates. So when we are in academia, we usually will have submission dates given to us, like for the whole course, basically. I think I had the whole the whole lot of submission dates for all of my essays, you know, almost like two years ahead of schedule, three years ahead of schedule. And so I could predict and plan, you know, leave in around those. And, um, you know, it's useful if, if someone else has also got that in mind as well. Um, because then, you know, if you do try to book you know, some trip that's close to it, you know, it's just worth that conversation of, well, you know, but you have obviously got that um, that essay in at that time. And similarly, um, you know, the, the period of September to <laughs> springy summer um, can be tricky for aspiring psychologists because you don't know whether you might be called on for interview. Um, and, um, someone in my membership was telling me recently that um, their partners found it very tricky, very tricky knowing how to support them during this application and interview season. Um, and so let's think about that as well. So just holding in mind those important dates, um, you know, for things happening. Um, but also when when people have got interviews, you know, it's quite normal at times to have like a a crisis of confidence so um, even on the day where I did my first ever private psychology appointment I was just really highly strung I was you know had all the imposter syndrome going on I remember having a little sob at my kitchen sink because I just was so worried about it not working or someone thinking I wasn't good enough um, and it's really normal that we feel worried about things when we haven't done them before we can't expect ourselves to be an expert in something we haven't done before and for me the thing I hadn't done before was was transact directly my time 
um, for money with a client because I'd always been paid by an employer before and this was this was brand new for me and that felt like all new kinds of levels of um, vulnerability and exposure um, and so you know what you wouldn't want to be doing in that circumstance is kind of invalidating that and saying you know you you do this all the time, you know, you've been qualified for years. Um, you know, I don't get it, you know, because that's invalidating the way someone's feeling. Um, you know, a more compassionate stance of what's well, really normal to feel like this, um, because this is a big deal, you know, this matters. So whether you could think about just shaping your, your language to be more, um, yeah, more compassionate and more on board with what your loved one is bringing to you so they're not asking you to fix it they're just asking you to kind of sit with them in their distress really um so whether you could just take a breath lower your own shoulders and just you know maybe give them a hug and say you know i think this is gonna be okay i think we've you you know you just got to be there go out there show them your brilliant self um and then i will be here for you at the tail end of the day and we can chat through how it went um, and we'll just see how that goes so you're regularly running baths and making spaghetti bolognese's you are on call um, you know for when things feel wobbly you're mindful of upcoming dates and important submission deadlines you are like just fully available with hugs um all of that stuff, I'd say, sounds like you're doing a grand job. Um, but sometimes, you know, this kind of work does take its toll. So um, when 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 we do start training, it's really common um, for a number of relationships in the cohort to break down and for people to kind of... I don't know. We never quite worked out whether it's a case of suddenly getting your ducks in a row that makes you look at other duck areas of your life and think whether that's working for you or whether it's the unique stresses and change that goes on throughout, you know, commuting um, or whether it's, you know, just that um, developing in this profession means that we do change and grow and sometimes it means that we will grow in a different direction than people that we have been with previously um, and things can make you know, can feel a little bit stagnant maybe and so maybe that's a reason why relationships break down but if you're listening to this because you are with someone who is an aspiring psychologist then it's perhaps useful for you to know that figure that stat I don't know if there has been research done into it but it is super common so you know if you're looking for a thesis topic anybody that might be one to look into because certainly within my cohort alone there was a number of breakups and there was in the year below and the year above there always is you know and it's because it's life isn't it life happens um but yeah it's it's um worth bearing that in mind because if you don't want to be without this person that you're listening to this podcast about then you're going to need to make sure that you are on the same team, you know, that you are talking regularly, that you are, you know, on board with their goals as well. Um, and maybe even thinking about growing with them 
um, or growing in some other area so that you're also energized. But when we start placements, um, when we start new job roles, when we're doing anything new for that matter, um, we can become a little bit like... um, our very much younger selves. So when when babies are learning to do new things, um, their sleep can go haywire because they're processing and they're laying down all these new neural pathways. Um, they call them developmental leaps um, in 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 psychology, um, child development terms. Um, suddenly, the sleep gets even more bonkers, and you're like, I didn't think it was possible to be any worse than it was. I was wrong. I was naive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, And I think the same is true of new placements and new jobs and new theories that we're learning. Our sleep can go equally bonkers you know and it's just knowing that that will pass knowing that the person that you love or if you're listening to us because it's you you're the person you love um you know just expecting and um knowing that that will settle down it's just really normal um that we that we have that way of processing you know that our sleep can go a bit bonkers so if this time will pass um but yeah knowing that it can be really stressful so even within most um doctoral courses where there's placements there will be at least six placements across a three-year period that's a lot of change it's a lot of new people to learn you know um, faces and names and different systems and some of these you know placements might use different operating systems it's a lot to learn there's really a great many steep learning curves and so it's just knowing what your loved one is going to be going through as they you know, embark upon their, these next stages of their career. It isn't a case of getting, you know, that doctoral offer or whatever, and then it's plain sailing. It is tricky. You know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, and knowing that if a placement isn't going so well, that that is going to really impact on that person and they might need you all the more with your arms and your spaghetti bolognese. So I hope that you found this um, a really helpful, thought-provoking, compassionate episode as ever. I would welcome any thoughts that you've got around any of this. And if you've got any special requests for podcast episodes, um, please do um, get in contact with me. You can do that um, with the details in the show notes section or on my link tree, um, which is Dr. Marianne Trent um, on Linktree. Um, any other points that I would like to talk to you about? Um, let me have a little think about that. Yes, if you um, do like what I talk about and the kind of things I help you with, then you might find it helpful to sign up to my aspiring psychologist membership waiting list, which opens again on the 1st of July 2022. You can come and come and get involved. And when that opens, I will let you know and you can come and book on. But it's a really nice membership group. People are finding it very supportive um, and you know, helpful, energizing, um, all of that stuff. So if that sounds like something that might be useful for you, then do come along to that. I'm also going to be setting up a free Facebook group um, 
which is as yet untitled. (laughs) So watch this space. I think that might be about it for now. Um, But yeah, do come and connect with me on socials. I love helping you celebrate. And if you've got any thoughts about this episode or if you'd like to record a testimonial for me to appear within the podcast about any of my work and content, then do please um, get in contact. Otherwise, thank you for listening and do stay very kind to yourselves, won't you? Take care. If you're looking to become a psychologist and let this be your guide with this podcast at your side you'll be on your way to being qualified it's the aspiring psychologist podcast with dr marianne trent My name is Diakolola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.